Let's go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 4. We're going to pick up, I don't know if this might be like part 3 of, of going through this. Um, I've really, myself, I have enjoyed studying these seven congregations. I've learned a lot, and I'm still learning a lot. And um, so, just in a little bit of a recap, um, we've been talking about the first portion, was talking about reputation. Today, we're going to talk about garments, and we're going to go to a priest, Joshua, in Zechariah chapter 3, as we uh, study that. What I wanted to do is, is but as we get ready and get started, I want to put this in your psyche, put this in your mind, Okay. When we're talking about Joshua, when we get to Zechariah, Joshua is the high priest. But when you're talking about Joshua, it's not just Joshua the person. Joshua represents Jerusalem. Joshua is representing the whole house of Israel, really. He's, he's, op, he's operating and representing because that's what the high priest does. The high priest, when he goes, he, even though that during Yom Kippur, even though he had to do sacrifice for his sins... They also did sins, and he took the blood for not just for himself, but for all. So that's what this means here when we get to this part in Zechariah. Also, there's going to be what they call the angel of the Lord, the angel of Yahweh. And um, at the end of that, it's going to be talking about, in verse 8, it talks about the branch. Now, we know who the branch is. That's Yeshua. And uh, so what I wanted to put down here, because... Yeshua says this in Peter, and I can't cover all the scriptures that was popping into me, because there again, as you can see, when I started, and I got notes everywhere, these things started unfolding like everything. But knowing that, what is Yeshua? He says, I say these things that you sin not, but if you do, you have a what? An advocate. And what is an advocate? And we're going to talk about that. And also Satan. Really, Satan is... The accuser, he's an accuser and is an adversary. So you're going to see this. This is what happens. Let me, um, well, let me just, see, I'm starting to jump ahead already. Let me back up. All right, so let's read verse 4. Yet you have still a few names. In other words, there's a few people. A few is a remnant. There's a few in Sardis. If you remember they had a reputation of being alive, but he says, but you are dead. Your works are not complete in the sight of my Elohim. This is what he told him in the verses before. So it says that there's still a few. There's a handful of you that's still in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments. And you know what soiled is? Defiled, polluted. You know, they're filthy, they're stained. In other words, there's a few who have not soiled their garments. There's a reason for this language. This language has to do because of Revelation at the end, in Revelation 19, where it talks about our garments are going to be a certain color. And that color is, it's supposed to be bright, pure, or white. So naturally, whenever the, the same language goes back to the prophets, it says that our sins were as what? Scarlet. Then what happens? They will be white as snow. See, that you see this theme that runs through the Scriptures, and it's not changing in the book of Revelation. Because really and truly, Revelation is a Torah portion. It, it, it fits for the first five books of the Scripture, as well as the prophets talking about it. So he's using the same language 
So this is why understanding the Torah is so important. Because of the language that's used in Revelation. Because he, because when John penned Revelation, and this is the revelation of Yeshua, Revelation 1.1, it's his revelation. When he's doing this, he's using language that they understand. He's not all of a sudden talking as a Greek or as a Roman or as an Assyrian. He's not doing that. He's talking to them just like if he was Moses talking to them. So they understood what he was saying. So it says, but there's a few people in Sardis who has not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now, let's go to Zechariah chapter 3. Now, I'm going to just, as you're going there, they're going to walk with me in white because they are worthy. I'm just going to throw this out here. We're worthy because Yahweh says we're worthy. We're not worthy because we are worthy. Okay, that's not. It's because what he did, his blood, the blood of Yeshua, what he did was is he took our stained life and his blood cleansed us. Amen. That's what happens. He took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. There's nothing you can do. There's, you can't kill enough bulls, goats. There's not enough on the planet to try to make a sacrifice because the wages of sin is death. There had to be a death, and Yeshua had that death. Adam, it says, one man, sin, sin entered to the world. One man corrected that. And so guess what? Our righteousness has nothing to do with us. It has to do strictly with him. This is why here today we lift up Yeshua. You lift him up, he'll draw all men. You lift yourself up, everybody scatters. Okay, that's just because I didn't die for your sins. So I just want to make that clear that it says, and they will walk with me for they are worthy. They're only worthy. We're only worthy if he says we're worthy. Okay, that's the way that works. Okay, so chapter 3 in Zechariah verse 1. I wanted you to see, because when he's talking about Joshua, the high priest, you have to understand he's talking to him in the, that he's representing Israel as a whole. All right. Then they showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of Yahweh. Matter of fact, this Joshua right here, his grandfather was killed by Nebuchadnezzar. Whenever Nebuchadnezzar went in and took them into captivity, they're coming out of captivity here. This is the picture. They're, they're coming out of Babylon back into their land. This is, this is, there's an argument going on between the angel of the Lord and Satan over the temple being rebuilt because there was an altar being built. So I just wanted to show you that there is a connection here that this, his grandfather, who was a high priest, was killed by Nebuchadnezzar because of their sin and because of all the things that was going on in their life. So this is who this Joshua the high priest is. So it says that he was standing before the angel of the Lord, or Yahweh, and Satan was standing at his right hand to accuse him. All right, I want us to stop right there. I didn't put this up here because this happened to me just a few minutes ago. Let's go to Jude in the New Testament. Go to Jude. It has one chapter, verse 9. Because I thought this was very interesting because this is important because... This is the same language that's going to happen in Zechariah. All right, Jude, 
which only has one chapter, verse 9, it says, But when the archangel Michael, y'all know who he is, okay, contending with the devil, you know who he is, Satan, was disputing about the body of Moses. He did not presume to pronounce blasphemous judgment, but said, Yahweh rebuke you. You're going to hear this same uh, in verse 2 in Zechariah. You're going to hear this, Yahweh rebuke you. So Michael is telling Satan, Yahweh or the Lord rebuke you. Now, here's what was happening. Satan here, who is standing by the right side of Joshua, is doing the same thing here with Moses. And he's disputing over his body. What is he disputing over? He's disputing over that because who was given the keys to death? Satan was. Okay? Yeshua ends up, we're going to go to Revelation. Yeshua takes him back. But he was given. So Satan was contending for the body of Moses because of the sin at Mirabah. Because he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And he also killed somebody. He killed an Egyptian. So Satan is here because Satan is doing what? He's accusing. He's accusing Moses and he's, he's accusing and he's saying, Moses is mine. In other words, Moses sinned at Mirabah. Don't you remember? Moses killed an Egyptian. He's a murderer. He is accusing and that's what he does for us. This is why repentance can wipe the slate clean. Now, let me say this. A lot of times when we do something in sin, okay, there is, there has to be fruit of repentance. There still has to be dealing with consequences. Yes, forgiven, but there has to be a cleaning and a walking up, okay? A walking out. Sanctifying, that's right, from that. So what you see here is, as you see in this, in, in, uh, even with Michael, Michael is an advocate. And they are warring over Moses' body, but that's really what's happening is, is Satan is saying, no, I have the keys. I have the keys to death, and you can't have Moses. So now let's go to Revelation chapter 1, which should be the next page in your scripture. Now let me say this. Well, let me, I'm just, man, I've got so much going on. Okay. Verse 17, and when I saw him, I'll start there, I fell at his feet as though dead. This is John. This is what I was saying. Whenever he, when he saw Yeshua here, he fell down. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am the Aleph and Tav, the living one. I died, and behold, I, I am alive forevermore. Evermore. It's over with. He's done. And it says what? And I have the keys of death and hates. I have the death. So guess what? Accuser, back off. You have no longer. You don't have the keys. I have the keys. And if I say Moses can come out of the grave, Moses is coming out of the grave at the first resurrection. And that's the thing. We can come out of that grave if we have him as our Savior. We can come out because he don't have the keys anymore. So this was the big turmoil, and this was the argument. But see, Satan don't like to lose. So he still is accusing. So if he can't win with an archangel, 
he will try to talk to me and you. Because we don't know a lot of stuff. And we entertain his craziness. And then he deceives us. And the next thing you know, now we done fell off the turnip truck in a southern way of doing things. So this is, all right, now let's go back to Zechariah. So I just wanted to bring that out that even there in Jude, you see Satan is always accusing. He was accusing Job. I mean, look, we can keep rolling. You know, when Yahweh says, have you considered my servant Job? Oh, yeah, but you got a hedge of protection around him. He's your little poster child. You know, you won't let me get to him, but you let me touch him and I'll make him squeal. But you know what? He didn't squeal. That's right. That's right. So what you have here in verse 1 back in Zechariah 3, Then they showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of Yahweh and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. This is what he was doing. Verse 2, And Yahweh said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you. The same words that you saw in Jude, when the archangel, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan, O Hasatan. Look what he says. Yahweh, who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. See, he didn't choose Israel because they were great. He chose Israel because of a man named Abraham and really his son named Yeshua. He chose the people not because they were mighty and all of that. He chose them and he put his name on them. And for his name's sake, he's doing this. Not because, look, they were, in, they were already messed up and messing up and messing up, already coming out messing up. So it wasn't about them. Guess what? We're messed up people. So he's, I mean, it ain't, it's for his name's sake. And Yeshua fights us when we confess him as our Savior. It's his name's sake that he fights for us. It's what he's doing. But we have to do our part. So now you have Joshua standing there. You've got an angel on one side, which is debatable who maybe this angel might be, and I'm not going to speculate. But Satan is on the other side accusing. So you have an advocate and you have an accuser. Verse 2. I mean, like he said, so it says, Who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you? Because here's what he's saying. Is it not a brand plucked from the fire? And this is what he's saying. This is Israel. When he says, this is, is this not a brand plucked from the fire? He's saying, this is my people that's returning out of Babylon. It's not this brand being plucked from a fire because they were put in captivity. He's bringing them back. Okay, that's what he's talking about here. He does the choosing. I got so many notes, I don't want to skip something. Verse 3. Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed in filthy garments. So what this clothed in filthy garments is always represents sin. But not only, it wasn't Joshua's sin, it was the nation of Israel's sin. So see, it's like whenever they came out of Egypt, there's a sanctifying process just like here, they come out of Babylon, but they're having to repent of their sins. They're having to clean the slate. They didn't, they didn't repent, per se, in Babylon. They are coming out, and now the repentance is all taking place. Because, see, they're going to have to rebuild the temple. First thing that happens, you're going to read in here, you don't have to have the temple rebuilt 
you have to first have an altar. Once the altar's in place, then everything is put together like the temple is good to go. That's the way they look at it, okay? So you have the altar set up, so he says, I'm ready to go. So you see that he's saying, first of all, I can't bring you out. I can't bring you out from that state and let's just take off. We got to clean you up first. Because if I don't, if I leave you in the very state you're in, you're just going to continue to be dirty and you're going to continue to make the same bad choices over and over again. So there has to be a cleaning up or a changing of these garments. Now look what happens here, verse 4. Now this is an ancient Near Eastern thought. And I'm going to play with this a little bit in just a moment. Because I thought it was so funny. It just hit me, but I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. The angel said to those who were standing before him. Okay, so now we had, we had an angel, and we had Joshua, and we had Satan. Now we got those. Who are these those? See, that's a, these, these those are no doubt ministering angels. Or this is trying to show you that this is a heavenly court. This is a heavenly court that's going on. Now, in 1974, I was 15 years old. Okay? There was a show that we used to watch that ran from 1974 to 1976. And it was called Shazam! Does anybody remember the show Shazam? Raise your hand. Tammy, don't be holy. <laughs> you don't remember Shazam? Well, what it was, it was a character. He was a young kid. And, it, and what it is, it was based off of a Captain Marvel scenario. And when he saw something bad, he would go hide and he'd say, Shazam, and then he would turn in, he'd have a cape and he'd have a big S. And he wasn't Superman, but he was out there to try to defeat evil. Okay? That's what he was doing. Now, think about this. Do you think that in today's society that Satan is at work to steal our children? He was back in my day doing the same thing, and no doubt even the days before that. Because I remembered when I was studying, I was reading this, and it was talking about a heavenly court. I remember because the character, what he would do was this. The young kid, before he turned into a superhero, what he would do is is he would go before the gods, the pantheon gods, and he would say, I have a situation, what do I do? Because I'm going to tell you about these little gods here, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw one of them in there that's not a god that's going to surprise you. Because it just surprised, the, just surprised me. Think about this. It's crazy. You can't make this stuff up. Even back when I was a kid, how they sowed this into us as a kid. It's amazing how Satan works. So, you're, so he goes and he would always say, what do I do? He would talk to Hercules. Hercules, because he was strength. He would talk to another one because of speed. He would have one because of wisdom. He would talk to another one because of this and that and the other. Think about this. The acronym Shazam is spelled S-H-A-Z-A-M, okay? S-H-A, 
Z-A-M. The S stands for Solomon. Now, was Solomon a god? No, he was a king of Israel. But Solomon, you knew him because Solomon was known as what? Wise in wisdom. So he was part of this picture. And I'm saying, are we not talking about mixed worship? Have we been talking about mixture? The whole, through the congregations, these seven congregations, and the first character of this, I didn't know what Shazam meant. He just said that, and he turned into a superhero. But yet, even in the acronyms, it meant something. And if you don't think that that doesn't get into you, yes, it's intentional. So the S was Solomon. The next one, H, is Hercules. A is Atlas. Z is Zeus. The other A is Achilles, and the other is Mercury. These, and these, the other besides Solomon were part of the pantheon gods that we've been talking about through the book of Revelation. Because these are the Greek and Roman gods and goddesses. Remember when we talk about that Yeshua said, I have the keys to what? Okay, let's, all right, we say hell, okay? But the word was not hell back then. It was something else. It was Hades or Hades because you know why it's Hades? Because Hades is a god of the underworld. You look up the word H-A-D-E-S is the god of the underworld. They just, it carried over in our scriptures. Because that's why he says, I have, because they knew that when you said Hades or Hades, you knew that whenever death was it, they had, that God, Hades, had the keys. This is why he says, I have the keys to Hades. I have the keys to it because he's saying they ain't, no, because see, in their mindset, they knew all of these little gods that were floating around, they would have power over them in different areas. That's why they would pray to the gods. And this is why Eddie Chumney, when he was saying in the scriptures, and they feared Yahweh, and they feared Yahweh, and then they did not fear Yahweh. Yeah, they feared Yahweh because they would still, in, in these days when they were talking about during the church age, or church age, during this time of these congregations, they worshiped Yahweh. That wasn't an issue, but they were worshiping the pantheon gods too, as well. And whenever they would, if there was somebody who died, then they would, they would pray to the gods of hate. Is what they would do. See, the Egyptians had the same issues going on way before the Nile. The Nile had a god. What, what, what kind of god was he? Y'all remember? He was a crocodile. And if you look at their hieroglyphics, you can see where you'd have a body in the head of these different things. What I'm saying is this is nothing new. And I just wanted to really bring this into 1974. Even in that, how they were still showing you because whoever wrote that series knew this. This is not by mistake. They knew how to do an acronym. They knew how to do something, and they knew what characters to put in there. And so in the story, and then I'll get back to the scriptures, in the story, that's what would happen. This kid would go to a heavenly court and ask the gods, what am I to do about this situation? And they get this from the scriptures. Yes. Not, not, not anything, but kind of like you, I grew up, but Stan Lee was Jewish, 
and he's the one who created and he he was he forsook his jewishness yeah okay good because see i didn't know i didn't have i mean all of this stuff hit me because when i was reading heavenly court this just downloaded into me i didn't i I was going to say he had to have been jewish hey babe on the uh film we watched several years ago the replacement gods they go into a lot of the creators of these things that appeared innocent they were not innocent they were intentional and a lot of them was from our brother judah who that's right defected the way who are atheistic that's right and it's it's really sad because these subliminal messages that come in our culture we don't really seek them because they're subliminal but it goes into us and it affects us. That's why I'm always saying, please guard your eye gates. Please guard your ear gates because there are things you don't see and that you don't hear because it's subliminal. Correct. It's subtly in there. Correct. So the reason why I wanted to bring that out is this, is because we don't think this way. We don't think about a heavenly court. We wasn't raised that way, but through the scriptures, if you know the scriptures from the very beginning, they always, even from an ancient Near East mindset, they always knew about a heavenly court. And this is why the language is in there. So it says in verse 4, go back to this. And an angel said to those who were standing before him, so there was a court going on. He says, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you. See, whenever he's come out, when they came out of Babylon, what he's saying is, is I have now taken that iniquity you went into captivity because you did not keep the Shemitah. You went into captivity for 70 years. Now that you have faced the judgment, now I'm removing that iniquity from you. You paid that price, is what he's saying. And I will clothe you with a pure vestment. Now, what this, what this means, this word vestment means, this is a ceremony that's happening. This is what's happening. This is a ceremony of setting this high priest apart to do his job over Israel. And so, uh, verse 5, he says, oh, let me say this too. When I'm taking the iniquity away from you, he's also taking the iniquity, he also purges in the land, is what he's doing. He's taking away the iniquity from the land also, because the land spewed them out. So he's setting that also in place. Then he said, and I said to him, verse 5, let a pure turban or clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they clothe him with garments. Now, the only thing they notice that you mention here is a turban. And the clean garments, it doesn't mention the high priest's garments, but it's implied because why? They knew what the high priest was dressed like. They didn't have to go by and, and itemize everything. But he set a clean turban on his head, so it shows that there's a change that's happening here for Israel. And it has to start with the high priest because he's the one. Is Yeshua our high priest? If he's tainted, we all tainted. And he's not tainted. Amen? So this is why it starts with the high priest. He's showing once you set him up is righteous then everyone underneath can follow suit because what? The high priest is the one that's in charge and represents the nation and the nations. This is a beautiful picture, how this, how this unfolds. But it goes back to saying not all of you had soiled garments. 
So this is this is language that that uh, was in Revelation. This exactly right here in Zechariah. Okay, and so they put him with garments, and an angel of Yahweh was standing by. All right, verse six. The angel of Yahweh solemnly assured Joshua. What does your scripture say? Witness, admonished, okay, assured, witnessing, admonished. What he's doing is, is when it says, and you look it up, whenever it says the angel of Yahweh assured, in other words, now he's saying the priesthood is being restored. This is where he's assured. In other words, this has been done. The garments is now changed. Now I'm setting you forth in your ministry. I'm setting you forth is what he's saying. Then he says this, because he always says this. Verse 7, thus saith Yahweh of hosts. What is he going to say? He's going to go right back to the, the commandments. If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. That's exactly what he did with Aaron when he first set him apart and when he set Moses apart and when he is setting us apart. It's the same words. It's not new words. It does, it, there's nothing new here. It's all about, this is why it's called restoration. It's restoring back to his, his ways. It's already. I love what Eddie Chumney said last week in the first session when he was talking about the Torah. And he was talking about judgments, and he was talking about statutes. The thing about it is, is most people don't have problems with the judgments, how we have this relationship and how we love our neighbor. But the statutes, when they tell you what to eat, what you need to do, when to go to the feast versus when it starts telling you those things, and a statute is just this, you can say why all day long, but... Yahweh's response is because Father told you so. I don't have to tell you why. I'm just telling you this is what you're going to do, and that's what a statute is, and that's the part that really gets our flesh because sometimes we don't want to do certain things he asked us to do. And here's the reason why, and he was very clear on this. The reason why is is because usually that causes division within families. It causes divisions between our households. Whenever we're walking according to the scriptures, and then when other people are telling you you don't have to, and I'm talking pastor to pastor, to, I ain't talking about whenever the, the five-fold ministry are in an argument over what to follow and what not to follow. Guys, I'm just saying out of, out of this 30,000 different denominations or people who, who believe in Yeshua or Jesus in some form or fashion, we're all reading the same book. And we got we we have more, they have more institutions now than you got scriptures in the Bible. And I would just like I'm, somebody's going to have to have something set up that don't have a scripture to it, because you got more than you got scriptures. How do you get there? When you think about it, you can look these things up. It's just totally mind-boggling to me. But they can turn around and say, "Well, what makes you think you're right?" And that's a valid point. But my thing is, is if stay in these scriptures and don't, it, it, look, if he says this is right, then it's right. If he says this is wrong, it's just flat wrong. It's just it. It's settled. Love your neighbor. Love them. 
you know, you ain't got to like it, but you got to love them. I didn't say you ain't got to like them. I said you ain't got to like it. But if you got to love your neighbor, you got to love your neighbor. You know, you just got to love your neighbor because he said love your neighbor because it, it, it will affect you if you don't. The word comes out about being kind. If you're not kind, it will affect you. It will drive you nuts. It will cause a cancer to eat at you spiritually and mentally if you're not kind to one another. It just It's just the way it is. But is that easy? It is not easy. Not when somebody's maligned you or talked bad about you or, or falsely accused you. It's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world. And these are the battles because whether you know it or not, there's a heavenly court going on right now. And there's battles going on right now in the heavens for mine and your souls. And you got one of them. He is steadily accusing and say, remember when Mark did this? Remember that? Remember this and remember that? And we have this going on up here. Yahweh rebuke you, Satan. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Yahweh rebuke you. He's steadily accusing. And that's what his job is, though. Because he doesn't like it that Yeshua died and took them keys away from him. He has nothing now. All he's got is is a foul mouth. That's all he can do is accuse you. And if he can break you, that's why the scripture says, lean not to your own understanding. He understands that. If he can get you walking in the, in the flesh in any one of the 30 of whatever is listed... He can help defeat us. This is why this word about living in the past, you've got to understand the past is written and it's gone. It's just flat gone. Now, if you haven't repented of that, then that's following you. Okay? You've got to repent of that. It'll follow you if you don't. But then, guess what? Satan is one who's accusing. That's his job. He's going to bring in a dream. He's going to do something to bring this back up to cause you to trip up. That's what his job is. And I'm going to tell you, he's very good at it. But there's a household that's working hard to help us if we will just pray and we will call out to him. Amen? Yes. Okay. Okay, and the angel of Yahweh assembled and he assured Israel in other words he set Israel and restored Israel thus saith Yahweh of the host if you would if you would walk in my ways and keep my charge because see that's where I was going to anyway but so you did good I like that then it, then you shall rule my house and have charge over my courts and I will give you the right access among those who are standing here because that's where I was going next was first Peter 2 9 because 1 Peter 2.9, I'm just saying that's why he says you're a royal priesthood, a set-apart people. You are, you are ones who are set apart because now we fit that. He's talking about us here. When he restored that, he is now restoring. Yeshua died to restore us back to our rightful place as, as priests in this, in this land. Because you know that in uh, sec, or 1 Peter 2.9 and 10... It's a quote from Exodus 19.6. Anyway, I got so much stuff going on. 
But that is, that's perfect. Because that's what it is. We are to put ourselves in this place today because we are that very people that he's talking about. Where do I want to go? Hold on, hold on. Crunch time. You don't have to go here, but I want to read 19, Revelation 19, 8 and 19, 14. I don't think I read that. If I did, just bear with me. You know it because I read this stuff all the time. Okay? I just want to go back because this is talking about the garments and the what happens when it changes. Revelation 19, 8, it says, And it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So it's our works. We don't work to get to heaven. Once we've been saved, it's what we do on this earth and our calling. This is what we sow, and that's like S-E-W is what we're going to wear, okay? So this is the thing. So he's telling us the righteous deeds, our works are going to be judged, and these are going to be our fine linens. If we ain't doing much, we might not be wearing much. I ain't going to say that. Okay. Verse 14 of Revelation 19 said this, And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen. That's it. White and pure were following him on white horses. Even the horses are are pure. Even the horses are white. So you're seeing here that you you see the purity, bright and pure, uh, our deeds, what we're to do. Going back to verse 7, If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house. You have to understand they wasn't walking in his ways and they weren't keeping his charge. And guess what? They were not now ruling in his house. That's why they went into captivity. But now he's brought them out and he set them up. But he's doing us the same way. He's setting us up for the millennial kingdom to be able to rule and reign with him. That's what he's sharing with us here. It's the same thing. But the deal is he's, he's already done the work. Yeshua is that high priest. White, bright, and pure. But he's trying to get his bride to shape up. And that's what this congregation, this is what these letters to these seven congregations is, is guys, get your act together. These things you're doing good in, but these things right here, you need to overhaul. You know, you need to get with the program and get this stuff worked out. Because if you don't, you ain't going to have a whole lot of time to do this. And it ain't going to be good. All right, Zechariah, and y'all still there, right? Three? Okay, verse 8. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. Now, who do you think the branch is? As Yeshua. Right now, I'm cleaning you up to get you to get us to the place when the branch shows up. Guys, the branch has showed up. And the branch has done everything. This is what Hebrews is all about. He is our high priest. He is, he is worthy. He is making intercession for us daily. And he's been busy. Because some of the choices that we make keep him busy. We're about to wear his angels out. About to wear the horses out they're riding on. So in other words, he's trying to tell us, let's get our acts together. Okay, let's go to Revelation chapter 12. I just want to bring 
a couple of things here out. Just to tie in with this same language, since we're in the book of Revelation, Revelation 12, 10, 11, and 12, I heard a voice from heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of Elohim and the authority of his Messiah have come. For the accuser of our brothers have been thrown down, who accuses them. How long does he accuse them? Day and night before our Elohim. Satan don't shut up. But that's his job. He's accusing, and he is trying to find a foothold to trip you up and me up. He's trying. He tried to get Moses, and he ain't getting him. Because guess what? You got to have the keys to Hades before you can get somebody. Dude, you ain't got the keys no more. You have no authority. You have no authority. You have no jurisdiction. You have no leverage. Do you know that's why? And why do you think when people black, he can't even blackmail you? Because blackmailers have to have something. They have to have a leverage. You got to have leverage. You got to have something on somebody. He don't have nothing on you. Because you know what? When you tell Yahweh your faults and your sins and your issues, he has no leverage on us. He has no evidence on us. He has no, he has no way to, what are you going to tell him that he don't already know? Don't have, that's right. I mean, it's just he's just awesome. But you know what? Just know this. Satan is still accusing us. That's his job. That's what he does. Then he says, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. That's us, guys. We've conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. Not, not our blood. His blood. By applying that, we have to do something. We have to apply it. But we've conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies, for they love not their lives even to the death. In other words, kill me. I'm going to be with him. Don't matter what you do, I'm with him. That's what Paul was saying. Being here helps you. Being not here, I'm with him. Resurrection, I'm good. And uh, just the way it is. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. All that kind of stuff. Paul just throw it on out there. That's what you do. You stick your tongue out at Satan. What's he going to do? Oh, toothless one. Verse 12. Therefore, rejoice. Guys, that's what we're to do. Rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But then there's going to come, a, there's going to be a woe here for those who ain't got their act together. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath. He's sort of ticked off because he knows that he has nothing. He's a little ticked because he knows that his time is short. Hallelujah. That's right. His time is short. His time is short. And you know what? If he messes with you, let him know. Your time's short. You want to talk to me? I'll talk about how short your time is. If he wants conversation, just remind him that. Other than that, go talk to Yeshua. I have nothing to say to you. Hey. But you got to realize when, when you say that phrase, when you hear that phrase, his time is short, that, that's when we really got to be careful because that's when he's giving it uh, his all. That's right. He is. His all. When we, when we coach wrestling and we, and we tell somebody, short time, you only have a few more seconds to get out of this mess you're in. We'll scream at them and say short time, and they amp it up. 
So we got to be careful. That's right. Even though it says, and your time is short, that's when it's going to get cool at all. Well, that's what he just said right there. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Just what you're saying. Satan's going to rant. He's going to amp it up. He's going to amp up what he does. But for those of us who are sealed with him, he can't hurt or touch us in that. Now, your gas prices might be $6 a gallon, but uh, what can I say without that? Get us a bicycle, I guess. No, forget that. Don't even let Tammy know I said that. She's talking. She ain't paying attention. That's good. I know you preaching. No, don't you edit that. All right. Revelation 5 and 6, I'm finishing up here. The one who conquers, talking about conquers, will be clothed thus in white garments. And I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I'm going to say something here that most people, I don't know how you think. I'm just going to tell you my opinion. I believe that before the foundations of the world, he knew who was who. He just knows who was who. I mean, he says, Yeshua was slain before the foundations of the world. Isaiah said, I knew you before you was in your mother's womb. So I sort of get a few scriptures to line up that thought. But I believe that where we're written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because I don't think he's up there erasing. Oh, all right. I'm going to write you back in. You did something good today. He, oh, I'm sorry. I got to scratch you back. He's not doing that. You're written in that book, but when that book is, because there's a blotting out. That's what it says here. It says, I will never blot his name out of the book of life. There's a blotting. I believe that we're written in there, but if you don't have Yeshua, and if you go up there in your own righteousness, you're going to get blotted out of that book. That's what I believe. That's just my opinion of it, how that works. Because look what he says next. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels see the one who conquers will be clothed in white garment and i will i will this is yeshua talking i will never blot out his name and i will confess him isn't it awesome today that when you're standing there because i'm promising you ain't gonna have nothing to say if you think you that brave i don't want to be standing by you on that day he's going to do all the speaking because we done all that. Remember what we talked about? The day you're born and the day you pass, that little dash, that's our life. That's where we had time to speak. When it comes to here, that's over with. He's going to have all, because he's the one. I want him to confess me before Yahweh that I'm blessed. Amen? Not me trying to make the case. I'm not a good speaker anyway. He can run me off. He says, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the congregations. So within the church of Sardis, they had a reputation of being alive, but they were dead. They had a reputation of knowing what was going on. They had a reputation that they, they feared Yahweh and they had mixed worship. And this is what's been going on for decades and ages before Yeshua ever came, since he's come, and now... Even to the end of the age, it's the same. He has one bag of tricks. Changing times in law. Changing times and seasons. Changing judgments and statutes. That's what he does. And if he can get you to fall in that, then he's going to say, see, 
He's going to accuse you before the heavenly courts. And this is why you have to have Yeshua's blood on you. This is why we have to have him because he's our sacrifice. Because now we have to have this brand. We have to have this advocate. I'm going to sit there in that chair with my mouth shut. And when the judge says something, Yeshua can rise and say what he needs to say. And that's the way it is. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray.